From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Rob Roop. It's me, it's Mike. It's Mike Davidson lives. Thanks for joining the podcast this go around. Uh, doing it a day later, recording a day later, uh, and I appreciate the patience out there. It's just, uh, as you can tell, I, I still don't have much of a voice. I came home Wednesday night. It was crappy. I was thinking, okay, we'll record Thursday morning, get it up. Uh, it was barely there. And as you can tell, it, there's not much of it right now. But uh, doing what I can, I think I can get through a half hour, okay? Uh, not too many major coughing fits, so I think we'll be good. Uh, but it's always a good, just so everybody knows, I'm feeling all right. About as all right as I can. Um, but like when, when I, you get something like the crud from your kids, uh, and I, this is basically a cold, uh, with me, you know, I get the congestion and I feel achy and then I feel all right. But then when I'm on the backside of it, feeling all right, my voice sounds like crap. And people on work notice today that I sound like crap by saying, Hey, you know, you sound like crap. Yeah. I, I, I kind of piece that together. <laughs> Um, but like I said, I think, I think I can get to this podcast okay. Um, and you know, the benefit though is, uh, there's quite a bit to talk about quite a bit, couple of, uh, big stories, uh, that I'll try to get to here in a matter of moments. Um, I, I, I meant to do this last episode and I didn't because I got so caught up in my own thought processes and everything, but, uh, toward the end of the year, uh, you appear in a couple of weeks. With holidays, you know, they have like their year in review type of thing with, uh, with uh, you know, the top 10 this, top 10 that, because uh, basically everybody in the media goes home for the holidays for like three weeks and basically does nothing. Yeah, um, I'm probably going to put uh, an episode in the can and release it, and it's going to be pertaining to rock music. And I'm hoping to get a couple of voices in with me on this. Uh, one person I reached out to said yes. Hoping to get a couple of other uh, people to uh, agree with this. It, it basically kind of stemmed from a couple of observations I had. When, when I'm doing prep for the podcast, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make the final cut. And uh, there's been some rock stories that I thought were pretty interesting. I'm thinking, you know, maybe that could be my year end. Looking at back at a, uh, a genre format that I used to work pretty closely with, and um, my thought process as to uh, where it is right now. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. But I'm hoping to have that recorded before Christmas. Hold on a second. That's some damn fine coffee right there. Uh, by the way, I was told to drink tea when uh, when I have a cold. But uh, nah, I'm 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 going to drink the coffee because it's a little more caffeinated. They'll help me through. Hey, uh, by the way, last episode, as you know, talked a little bit about Kanye West. Now he's an idiot. And a, a few people out there that I think are worse than Kanye. That's saying something. And I've gone on social media to criticize Kanye and some of his defenders. You know, it's, it's one thing to point out that the Autobahn is still being used in Germany. And that Adidas and Volkswagen are still, uh, they're still functioning corporations out there. But you, you can't defend a comment like, I like Hitler. He did quite a bit to outweigh any little thing 
that some people might perceive to be good. Okay, he he kind of screwed the pooch on that, and millions of lives were lost. And I was at Akon, uh, trying to defend Kanye, and I kind of criticized Akon online for it. And uh, it was interesting because uh, the Mike Davidson Facebook page got uh, one of Kanye's zealot zealous zealots. I uh, tried bombing a couple of my posts. I ended up banning this dude uh, because he was saying, hey, do, do, do any of your followers know about the racist things you've been saying about Kanye? Well, sir, I it's not racist to point out that a person, be it black or white, is saying things like, I hate or I like Hitler, and to call them anti-Semite or a Nazi. That's not racist. In fact... It's kind of the opposite. Maybe you should have paid it a little more attention in school. But it's it's uh, it's a very interesting world out there, uh, how people kind of rationalize uh, some of that crap. Uh, a couple of RIPs. One brief, one a little long-winded here. Uh, Mills Lane, famous boxing ref, uh, passed away this week at the age of 85. I guess he had a stroke a while back, and uh, uh, his health's been waning in recent years. Uh, but a lot of people might remember him as Judge Mills Lane. He had everybody had a, a judge show. Everybody, believe it or not, your parents probably have a judge show, and you didn't know it. They didn't tell you. Uh, but for three years, he had his own court show. Uh, he was also the ref on the Claymation series, Celebrity Deathmatch on MTV. That was one of the few non-music things that MTV did that was actually kind of cool. Now you have to be a pregnant teenager to be on MTV, or uh, Catfish somebody, I don't know. Uh, just it, it, MTV's just a, a, an empty husk of what it once was. But he was the, uh, the he actually voiced that. But uh, I think he came uh, the from that. I think a lot of people knew him as a household name as the ref during the infamous ear bout when uh, you know Iron Mike Tyson bit the ear off of Evander Holyfield. And he had to separate the two. And that's kind of a scary thing. I mean, we, we joke about that now. And a guy like Evander Holyfield uh, could take something like that because he's a, he's a pretty big, scary dude, too. Um, well, maybe not so much now because he's retired. But for him to take that from somebody like Mike Tyson and for somebody to stand in and kind of go, hey, no, 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 no. That's, that's where a lot of people worldwide... Uh, knew Mills Lane, and of course Mills Lane was pretty well known in Vegas in the boxing industry, but that, I think, put him over the top, and, uh, you know, he became a pretty prominent part of pop culture, so uh, condolences to his family. Uh, the big R.I.P., uh, Kirstie Alley, died at the age of 71, unfortunately, uh, colon cancer, complicated things, and, uh, of course, cancer's never fun, but uh, she was best known, I mean, she, she had some movie roles, and some TV roles, but the big one would be Rebecca Howe on Cheers. She was basically the replacement for uh, Shelley Long's Di Diane, kind of a foil to uh, Sam Malone. And, you know, she became her own thing, and uh, I, it got me thinking, and I posted this on social media about how I thought that um, Cheers had the best series finale of any comedy of all time, uh, because it was just so well done. And then I had a friend call, uh, fraternity brother Rob Haywood, I've talked about him a bit, uh, and, and he called me up like maybe 45 minutes after I posted that, which is weird because the dude 
doesn't like talking on the phone all that much. He's, he's more of a texter. He's more of a, you know, instant messenger kind of guy. But he goes, you know, I just want you to know that I think Cheers is the best show of all time. And, you know, just, uh, he, he and I started talking. This was like on a Wednesday morning, man. And it was kind of a weird conversation. No, it was, it was Tuesday. It, it was sometime this past week. But we were talking about Cheers and how it was so unique uh, compared to a lot of sitcoms. And he brought up a pretty good point. In that when things happened on that show, uh, they they kind of had long-lasting impacts. Where a lot of sitcoms, uh, you know, you have a goofy adventure and it's up after the 23 minutes uh, you, when you take out the commercials, it's done. And pretty much the uh, status quo returns next week, right? And Simpsons have kind of uh, uh, parodied this a little bit back in their heyday. Whereas with Cheers, okay, Diane's gone. Rebecca is there. Coach is no longer there. Woody's there. Oh, Diane has this new love interest, and uh, he becomes kind of a foil, a rival to Sam. Sam had a lot of foils and rivals, but uh, he becomes kind of a friend and a barfly and gets his own spinoff. Of course, I'm talking about Fraser Crane. Kelsey Grammer uh, played that very well. But, you know, Cheers was, just, was a little better at that than most sitcoms. And, it, you, you know, when you think about it, too, uh, because you, you don't want to get uh, bogged down in continuity. I mean, you just want to be entertained. But, I mean, it was it, it's kind of a bet to do that sort of thing because you're you're thinking, hey, you know, people will return to this show. And they did. And uh, and uh, Kirstie Alley was a big reason for that. I she, she probably wasn't the main reason because everybody had their own favorite character on that show. But she was part of a great ensemble cast. And uh, condolences to her family, uh, but but just a big big part of pop culture right there. And yeah, Cheers far better than a lot of sitcoms out there now. All right, so um, a couple of the stories that I was alluding to now are big that uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad I put off doing the podcast. Brittany Griner is now home, and uh, yeah, I, I saw this on the periphery once again last week. There was some buzz about how they were trying to bring her home, and I, I didn't know. Like, this wasn't like major news outlets. These were more like the, the clickbait sports news outlets that you see on social media. And they're like, oh, they're doing this. You know, they're trying to uh, trade her for uh, with uh, Victor Bout, Merchant of Death. And I'm just thinking, is this is this a rehash from like, you know, four or five months back? But it turned out it wasn't, and uh, they traded her for him, and. Uh, Lot of lot of uh, backlash on social media, and um, like there there are people that are genuinely happy that she's coming home, like her wife, her family. I get that, her teammates, and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, it's it just kind of goes to show you that you shouldn't really be doing much in Russia, okay? Um, but I, I talked about this earlier this past year. Uh, how this would have been a bad trade because they were talking about this before and it was the Biden administration that offered up Victor Bout, the uh, the merchant of death, this arms dealer. And Russia didn't even uh, start the ball in that. They That, that was pure pure us, really. Um, but I, I alluded to the fact that here you have Brittany Griner getting in trouble with pot, which seems silly because here stateside is just something we kind of scoff at, but in Russia it's a big no-no. No, and she's in a penal colony for 10 years, right? And I said, look, if if there was like a stoned or drunk hockey player in our penal system, uh, 
that we can trade tick for tack, you know, not a big deal. But we didn't do that. We gave up a pretty big name in uh, in Victor Bout, and then you have this Marine. I think it's Paul Wallen. I, I believe the name is. And uh, sorry, my phone went black, but I know that uh, he's a former Marine, retired. Uh, he's been held over in Russia for like four years now. And uh, they weren't able to extradite a deal to get him home. You know, they, they gave up an arms dealer for a basketball player, but there's apparently nobody they can give up to bring this guy home, and he's still uh, in jail over there. And, you know, for, for uh, military veterans reading that story, you know, that, that kind of rubs them the wrong way, right? Understandably so. You have all this going on. And then I, you know, I started thinking, and this was another po point I brought up, and I don't really see a lot of this being brought up around um, any of the news outlets with the trade. Uh, what is Zelensky, President Zelensky over in Ukraine, uh, uh, Time Magazine's Person of the Year this year, just announced earlier this week, just the day before. What does he think about this here? I mean, yeah, we're giving him like $60 billion to, to fight against... Uh, Putin and the Russians, but uh, you know when he sees this, you're you're giving up an arms dealer to the guy that he's fighting. Uh, is he kind of scratching his head at this shit? You know what I mean? I mean, it, from from what I've read about Victor Bout, uh, primarily his dealings were in Africa and dealing with terrorist organizations that were a thorn in American um, American policies abroad. And I'm putting that mildly, mind you. But um, I'm thinking Putin wants him back because of information. And maybe he has some information that he can use on the ge geopolitical scale. And maybe, you know, and this is a long stretch. Because I don't, I don't expect every villain out there to be like a Bond villain. Hey, I know this guy. I got info on this guy. World domination. But maybe Victor Bout knows something that can help uh, Putin... Uh, maybe do a little more damage out in the Ukraine. Maybe utilize some of those uh, connections. You know, that's that's kind of the point I tried bringing up in some other social media uh, places earlier today. But somebody's like, "Oh, they're going to kill him." There's no there's no reason to worry about that. They're going to kill Victor Bout. I'm thinking, well, you know, people do have a very weird way of meeting an early demise around Putin. You know, weird coincidences, right? Um. But it wouldn't surprise me if he tried to squeeze him for a few things before he, you know, died from an allergic reaction due to falling down an elevator shaft or something. Or eating plutonium soup or whatever. Whatever might strike Putin's fancy that day. I'm, that's, I mean, why else would he want to bring him home? To just kill him? Now, he, he, that just seems like a waste of effort. So, I don't know, this, this whole trade stinks because... Russia got a better deal, a better value, I think, out of it. And, I'm sh and again, Brittany Griner's family is probably happy as all get out, and I understand that. But this just is, um, it's nutty. Now, uh, something else that's nutty, and I'm not really surprised that it's not being made a big deal in uh, media, but uh, no longer a conspiracy theory uh, out in the open, the Twitter files. Um, Matt Taby and uh, Barry Weiss. These are two uh, left-leaning journalists, by the by. Uh, but they, they too, don't really like censorship, and they don't like it when their side does it. And uh, 
Uh, Elon Musk has been giving them access to some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes before Elon took over. And um, I really don't have much to go on right now because I'm recording this maybe about an hour and a half after I read uh, night two. But to recap night one uh, with Tavy, basically uh, the stuff about the Hunter, Bi uh, the Hunter Biden story being buried purposely by Twitter and, um, you know, Democrats reaching out to block that. That that was pretty much true. Uh, but again, the media is not reporting this because, well, that would make them look bad. Well, uh, the whole thing about shadow banning on Twitter, uh, that that's tonight's big reveal. Uh, shadow banning actually was a thing, and there have been some accounts that saw uh, their exposure dwindled by some manipulation of... Uh, of the algorithms behind the scene, of the settings of Twitter. And uh, Bari's been covering that. Um, in, uh, you know, I think I alluded to this earlier, you know, how, like, we're talking about Hunter Biden's PC troubles. You know, what other things, what other things could be behind the scenes that, uh, uh, that they would want to keep quiet, say, like, uh, the whole COVID thing? Now, I'm not talking pandemic bullshit here. I'm not talking about, uh, uh, you know, any other of these conspiracy videos. But I'm talking, like, dissent. And apparently there was a doctor that was pushing back on um, Dr. Fauci's, um, you know, keeping children home, e-distance learning, all that stuff. Saying that if you isolate children, that's bad for their, um, their social development. And this particular doctor... Was shadow banned. He had some of his exposure uh, dwindled, and uh, not as many people were seeing his posts. And it's documented. Um, if I haven't already linked it up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, it will post shortly um, after this podcast uh, is posted, I guess. But um, yeah, some uh, some very bizarre stuff. And the thing is, is like uh, Matt and uh, Bari are going to be posting more things more and more things about this crap it's it's insane it is insane uh just the the links that these people went to uh to control what you saw and you know that, that that's a, a sad thing about twitter before elon musk took over and i hope that elon musk does make it a, a haven for free speech here but uh, this was never about making it a marketplace of ideas it wasn't about letting people know what you think it was all about them trying to control what you th thought and perceived and all that fun stuff so that's what um that was what uh something that kind of dropped earlier this evening and uh who knows what will drop this weekend but hopefully i'll have more to go on and uh comment on just just crazy now um with covid and i don't have covid by the way um, but I mean, it's it's really wrecked havoc with the workforce, and it's really hard to keep people um, in um, in a, in a job uh, for whatever reason. Um, I know uh, where I work, there's a high turnover rate, and not necessarily COVID rate related, but just you know, getting people in, keeping them in, that sort of thing. And I know that's been kind of a thing for like the last couple of years, but. Um, you know, you, you want to be good to the employees you have. And you want to be professional to the employees you have. 
and sometimes you have to make hard decisions but I you know you have to you have to kind of you have to be diplomatic about how you word those hard decisions and uh, out in Kansas Olive Garden you know when you're there your family uh, there was a manager that was recently let go because uh, this manager put out a post uh, like I think this is an email or a letter to all the of uh, the staff about uh, reporting any illness or not coming into work now the professional thing would be to know how many sick days you are allotted or uh, you know if something personal comes up whatever it is you call in and say hey look I'm not gonna make it in because I'm sick or somebody's sick okay fine whatever just bring it in doctors no just you know find somebody to cover your shift we'll get this squared away we're good that would be the reasonable way of doing it and sometimes you have to make hard decisions and say hey I, we can't just let anybody you know take a day off you have to you know we, we have to kind of work through some stuff but um, this manager did not take any of the uh, diplomatic routes the, the basically this person shot themselves in the foot and lost their job uh, I'm going to read the uh, the letter that was sent out to the employees of this Olive Garden and I will break occasionally to give my thoughts on this letter so starting out our call-offs are occurring at a staggering rate from now on if you call off you might as well go out and look for another job ah, starting out so well we are no longer tolerating any excuse for calling off. If you're sick, you need to come prove it to us. I'm hoping that means like, uh, you know, doctors know not coughing on us. Um, if your dog died, you need to bring him in and prove it to us. Jesus. Um, do you do that by bringing the dog into the front where everybody's sitting or do you bring it into the kitchen? That's my question. Um, if it's a family emergency and you can't say to if it's a family emergency and you can't say too bad go work somewhere else if you only want morning shifts too bad go work at a bank wow if anyone from here on out calls out more than once in the next 30 days you will not have a job so if you have COVID and there's like that uh, mandatory stay at home for a week type of thing you'd be out of a job here's where it gets really stupid here uh, by the way, the parent company of Garden, uh, Garden, Olive Garden is Darden. Do you know in my 11 and a half years at Darden, how many days I called off? Zero. I came in sick. In a restaurant? I got in a wreck literally on my way to work one time. Airbags went off and my car was totaled. But you know what? I made it to work on time. There are no more. Hold on. There are no more excuses us collectively as a management team have had enough also this person speaking on behalf of the management team if you don't want to work here don't is that it's as simple as that this is going on if you're here and want to work then work no more complaining about not being cut or not being able to leave early if um, you're in the restaurant business do you think I want to be here until midnight on a Friday and Saturday. No, I'd much rather be at home with my husband and dog going to the movies or seeing family. But I hope you choose to continue to work here as I think we make it as easy as we can on y'all. With that letter especially. 
Thank you for your time and thank you for those who come in every day on time and work hard. I wish they were more like you. That was the manager who uh, got shit canned by, uh, by Olive Garden. And I kind of get it. I mean, I understand the frustration of keeping employees in a, uh, at a job. And, uh, you know, and how frustrating it is when people don't show up. But that letter, oh, man, you're, like I said, signing your death warrant. And there's this big messiah complex about it, this martyr syndrome about it. Oh, you know how many times I came in sick? Oh, you remember that car wreck? I came in on time. Blah, blah, blah. Like, they feel like they're insulted if somebody actually has the flu. Now, I get, now, I do think that if you are sick, you should call in and bring a doctor's note if you can. Uh, but you, you can't write letters like this. You can't be like that. You have, you have to set the tone. You have to be the leader. You can't be, woe is me, get your ass to work. Oh, uh, by the way, I, I learned something new today. Um, because you guys, you know, I'm a big movie fan. And, you know, in my 42 years of existence, I would like to think I've seen quite a few movies. But it wasn't until jo Jennifer Lawrence brought this to my attention. You know, you're a talented actress, uh, kind of isolated from reality. Uh, she talked about it how, like, when she was in The Hunger Games, she was basically the first lead female action hero of all time in a movie. Did you know that? You know, no, I, there are plenty of women, I think, that at one time could have been the lead in their own film series or in a film like, you know, Sigourney Weaver or Linda Hamilton. Now, I've seen them in some stuff. You know, they look kind of tough. I just, I just wish they had, like, the opportunity of the franchise to stick it out and just be that tough-as-nails heroine uh, we all wanted. Or Carrie Fisher... Uh, you know, I, she she was pretty funny, but you know what? There were times where I thought Carrie Fisher could have been, like, um, I don't know, something like in a space opera, like a space epic, sci-fi epic. Her quirky humor and her sternness could carry very well. And, if, and maybe if you had, like, a, a comic foil slash love interest. Like, it's always fun to see Harrison Ford get flustered. I just wish that there was some opportunity to bring them on screen. But no, never happened. That was a tragedy. And for you to step foot and, you know, win the Hunger Games, Jennifer Lawrence, thank you for being that first ever female action hero. <laughs> All right. Um, don't believe in heroes. Uh, Joey Chestnut is a hero to anybody uh, who wants to eat a whole lot of food and not get heartburn. I mean... How many times has he done Nathan's hot dog eating contest out in Coney Island and just dominated? I mean, this guy, you know, you, you, you talk about your Tom Brady's, you talk about uh, your Reggie Jackson's, uh, you talk about your Larry Bird's or your, your Michael Jordan's. He's all those guys rolling into one, plus maybe 30 pounds. Um, he lives down in Westfield. Did you know that? He lives here in Indiana. And uh, he lost... In his own backyard last weekend. I didn't realize this. Um, uh, down at uh, St. Elmo's Steakhouse. Legendary Steakhouse downtown uh, Indianapolis. They have uh, their shrimp. Cock uh, more famous cocktail sauce. That's real spicy. And uh, he was competing against four, three other people. At least. He came in. Not second. 
not third. He wasn't even top third, three, fourth, fourth. I mean, how how do you go on? He's getting up in years, right? He's slowing down. I mean, granted, this was in his own backyard, home court advantage. He should have dominated and been like go. But his big, his Super Bowl is Nathan's, 4th of July. That's coming up next year. I mean, how can he go out and face all those people and not wonder if he can pull it off one more time? It's got to be nagging at him. You know, it's the type of stuff that will uh, just chip away at his psyche. And I, I can tell you what, if he doesn't step away now, his hot supermodel wife will uh, divorce him. As I've seen on TV. But yeah, the end of a legendary run it looks like. Losing St. Elmo's Steakhouse eating contest. Oh man. Oh, uh, going back to um, uh, Olive Garden and finding people that need a job. Yeah, one guy that needs a job, uh, Nirvana Penis Baby. The guy that was, uh, when he was an infant, he was on the cover of Nevermind. Legendary album, great album. Um, his lawsuit was thrown out not too long ago. He's appealing the lawsuit. He's still trying to sue the band for all the damages and uh, all the pain and suffering that came with being that guy at mall signings for 30 years, trying to cash in on it. And now that, uh, you know, people are moving on with their lives, he can't, he can't charge for those autographs, so he's got to sue the band. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure he probably used this as a pickup line too at the bar. That's not creepy as all. Yeah, I'm the Nirvana penis baby. Yeah, tiny little dodger. All right. Well, that's about it. That's about all my voice can take. And hopefully, I'll have more on the Twitter files. And I'll keep you updated on uh, the uh, the year in rock episode I want to do. Until next time, stay fresh, cheese bags. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.